Hello, I'm Matt Donnelly, and joining me this week is Fantasy Hall of Famer and my Thunder buddy, Bob Harris of Football Guys and the Football Diehards on Series Fantasy Radio, Channel 87. Welcome to the Viper cast here on the Vipers Fantasy Network. How are you doing, Bob? I'm always great. The Viper always scares me, though. It catches me off guard at the beginning. Ah! It, it does throw some people off. It, it kind of jumps out at you there. It, it's kind of it like, is. It's, it's like it's a, it's kind of threatening, Matt, unlike you. Who seems very gentle and uh, you know and very Canadianly polite? Uh, the Viper comes out kind of aggressive. I'm like the Conway Twitty of fantasy analysis here, like a slow <laughs> hand here, right? With less I hair, mean, with a lot less hair and a much better mustache than Conway had. But Bob, we've been talking Super Bowl here for what seems to be two weeks now. We've had the media day, and by the way, a lot of our colleagues are down there in Vegas right now, absolutely crushing it. And you know what? It's it's okay. You can be supportive of people, and you can be slightly jealous of people at the same time. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but I do wish that I was down there right now on like Radio Row having a good old time because it looks like a blast, Bob. What are we doing here? So I spent about, I want to say I did about 10 years on Radio Row. And, uh, and it's a good time. Uh, there comes a time where you kind of like, I don't want to say become jaded to it because you never become jaded to like, you know, seeing all the, you know, seeing all the personalities that come around and stuff, but it's a little bit of, it's a little bit, not as much fun after a few years as it is, you know, the novelty tends to wear off except when Beyonce walks by or whatever, you know, there's, I mean, there's always those moments where you're going, Oh, wow. What am I doing here? Uh, but for the most part, you know, it's just like there's a lot of work going on and, you know, it, it, the, the novelty does wear off. But but I love seeing all our friends there and a lot of people that I've worked with there as well. So uh, so it's good to see them all having a great time. And by the way, something like the women of fantasy football doing a great job, uh, you know, getting good questions in, getting great answers. I've uh, gotten some great information from that. So. So it's very enjoyable. Absolutely. Hat tip off to them. Because you hear some stupid questions throughout Media Week. We've heard right? about the, the people dressing up as the bride for Tom Brady and this stuff. These women, these women of fantasy football, are they're going out there and they're absolutely crushing it. Getting Sam the questions Kelly. that we want to hear, right? Right. Getting, do, getting some, doing some great work. And I mean, three days, three days of this, it's, it's a grind. People don't think about the grind that goes with being on Radio Row, but after talking to a lot of these people kind of behind the scenes through the DMs, Luke is another guy that I've been talking to. They're worn out after just three days so, of this circus. So I'll tell you like the behind the scenes is kind of like there are a hundred people roaming around that are doing series of interviews and everyone there is promoting something, right? They all have some kind of deals. Right? And, and, you know, I mean, kudos to them for having them, but that's how you get the access. You let them come on, promote their thing. And the work of the producers behind the scenes trying to wrangle those people around and schedule them and get them going it is a madhouse and uh very fun to watch kind of how the you know the sausage is made there and uh and uh, i've enjoyed it immensely uh during my times there i'm not like necessarily missing it uh i was just in vegas a couple of weeks ago it was fantastic i walked around the same places but um but yeah it is like a it is a, like a, a little industry unto itself. All the people going around. I can remember Matt Ryan. I still use the razor Matt Ryan gave me uh, when he appeared on my show back <laughs> at Super Bowl 50 uh, in San Francisco. That sounds like a chic or something kind of promotion. There. It's like a Gillette. It it's a Gillette. It's really nice. It's like about a thousand nice. blades. Or well, something. if anyone knows me, everyone that knows me knows that I love free swag. I mean, when we go to the Fantasy Sports Expo there, I mean, I'm like loading up that free bag. I'm getting my money's worth each and every year. But Bob, the Super Bowl, it's kind of a, a high moment for us. It's kind of a low moment for us here in fantasy because not only is it the grand gesture when it comes down to it, but it's also 
the end of what we consider the fantasy season. Now in Dynasty, it's just the start, as basically as you know. But as far as redraft, prop betting, this and that, we're not allowed to make any more bets on the football season after the Super Bowl ends. So we're not going to focus on the end, but let's focus on the beginning of these Super Bowl prop bets. We're going to preview Super Bowl 58 here between the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Talk about some of our favorite prop bets and maybe some stats and facts along the way. But how did we get here? Well, the Kansas City Chiefs, they have been here, done that, Four of the last six seasons with Patrick Mahomes under center while hoisting the Lombardi Trophy, not only last season, but back in the Super Bowl 54 when they defeated the San Francisco 49ers in Hard Rock Stadium 31-20. Now, Bob, it is crazy to think that we are possibly an elbow injury away from the Chiefs and 49ers in three of the last five Super Bowls. This could have been our generation's version of the Buffalo Bills and Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, it's like... I'm interested to see, you know, I, I think it's easy, you know, one of my thoughts always in the Super Bowl is the team that's been there most recently has a little bit of an edge because they're, you know, the fam- just familiarity. I mean, it doesn't necessarily breed contempt. It breeds, you know, knowing what's happening and having all, you know, understanding how you have to get yourself, you know, to two different places, the demands of your family and friends, the demands of the media. It's a, it's like a much different week. So, uh, you know, it's been a little while since San Francisco but has been there. A handful of players have not gone through this. More of the Chiefs have been through this. So I think it does give it like a slight edge. It's 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 a week like no other in terms of obligations. And, and you know, like one thing NFL coaches, one of the things you can count on for an NFL coach is in a league where everything changes every week, the opponent, the game plan, personnel packages, all these things. Coaches like to keep as much as they can the same. So travel, meals, set, practice sessions, all that, all that goes out the window Super Bowl week. And so that gives a little extra angst to coaches. But the players who have been there most recently have, I think, a little bit of an edge. And the good thing about this is you don't have one team traveling east to west or west to east. You got San Francisco going to Nevada. You got Kansas City going to Nevada. These are this is a pretty even trip for both these teams to be able to go there. So that shouldn't factor into it. But like you said, it's coming down to who handles what the best. And let's, let's give Kyle Shanahan here a little bit of credit. He's seen the best and worst of what comes with the Super Bowl here, <clears throat> 28 to 3. Now, Bob, when we talk about – I had to slide that in there. I probably feel bad about that. And I probably put a curse on them. I mean, for me personally, we'll probably talk about who we have winning this game a little bit later. But this is like me picking a child that I – like the least when it comes down to it as a Raiders fan it is hard for me to have a rooting interest in this game the Kansas City Chiefs they're sitting in there in the Raiders dressing room which just feels wrong to me the San Francisco 49ers they have been a California rival for the Raiders for years and years and years so really this is like the worst case scenario for a Raiders fan having the 49ers and the Chiefs there in your stadium so for me I really don't want a winner I'm hoping both teams lose somehow but Bob you lean one way or the other here as far as your betting is concerned? Uh, you know, I can remember a number of years ago, you know, we were t- Peter King wrote an article and or somebody asked him a question. He wrote about it in an article. It's like, uh, do you root for teams? He goes, no, you root for your stories. Like as a sports writer or a fantasy manager or whatever, a fantasy content creator, you're rooting for the narratives that you've built and or you're relying on to make your picks and plays. So I'm rooting for those. I went into this, you know, with a, when did the playoffs with a set outcome in mind, there is still a possibility for that outcome to come to pass. So I'm going to be rooting for that. We could talk about that if you'd like, but, but I think that's more, more what happens. I like, I have no team affiliations. I hate them all equally. 
Uh, I had the good fortune of growing up in Tucson, Arizona, where there were no teams. Uh, and everyone, you know, and there were not many native Tucsonans either. I was one of the few. So everyone, all my friends had teams. They came from somewhere. You know, I'm a Jets guy. I'm a Chiefs guy. I'm a Bengals guy. Every, you know, everyone had a team. I didn't have a team until the uh, St. Louis Car the Cardinals moved to Phoenix and became the Phoenix Cardinals uh, before they became the Arizona Cardinals. And I was smart enough not to get caught up in that mess, right? Uh, I said, no, well, it looks great, but no thanks. So so I don't have any rooting interest as far as teams goes. I'm totally rooting on the narratives uh, for the narratives and the, the happy stories I've told myself. Uh, to sell myself on the fantasy values of players every week. Well, there are stories. There's going to be a story written. It's either going to be a redemption story for Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, lowest drafted quarterback, not undrafted because we don't, we got Jake DeLome there and Kurt Warner, but he could be the lowest drafted quarterback to win a Super Bowl. On the other side, we are talking modern day dynasty here for Matt Patrick Mahomes, six straight AFC championships for the last six Super Bowl appearances. He wins this one. That's his third Super Bowl. We could be talking about him. Statistically, he's right up there with Tom Brady and what he accomplished in his Super Bowl run. So that is another nice story that people can run with or run against because we don't like people to have success in today's day and age. I mean, it, it really is one of those things where, hey, yeah, that's a great story. Okay, that was an okay story. No, no, this is getting horrible. I mean, it really comes down to that because we don't like to see others succeed. It's a weird thing mm -hmm. that we have. But talk about Patrick Mahomes. This has been arguably his worst season to date. He threw a career-high 14 interceptions this season. He only threw 27 touchdown passes, averaged about 261 yards per contest. But make no mistake, regardless of the numbers, the Chiefs, they've been winning. Maybe that loss to the Raiders there towards the end of the season was kind of a wake-up call for them. But you look at this, is it safe to say, or maybe am I stepping out of line here, when I'm calling Patrick Mahomes in the last part of the regular season and the playoffs a game manager? You look at this, one touchdown pass in each of those kind of five of the last six contests to close out the regular season, only four touchdown passes in three postseason games. This has not been the Patrick Mahomes, at least for fantasy, that we're used to seeing. And who cares about fantasy? It's about winning when we're talking about the Super Bowl. But is Patrick Mahomes perhaps a game manager, at least throughout this little run that he's had? Well, I care about Patrick Mahomes because uh, people have invested in him as fantasy. He finished this season, let's go through weeks one through 17, like quarterback seven-ish, depending on your scoring system. Yeah. Uh, the average points per game, though, is what sticks out to me. 17.9, uh, below the likes of Brock Purdy, Jordan Love, Dak Prescott. Uh, you know, I mean, Lamar Jackson, obviously the top guy. So I think a couple things about Mahomes' season. It's going to reset the quarterback market a little bit for all of us, which I think is a good thing. Uh, you'll see the prices diminish. I've already seen in the early mock drafts I've done, you know, the high end, the Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts portion. You've seen them go from maybe the tail end of round one or certainly in the tail end of round two. I mean, sometimes they sneak up into round one, uh, which I didn't do that, but somebody did. Uh, but you're seeing them, you know, you've seen that round two, three now kind of slip down to round three, four. And uh, and maybe that does us all a favor. And maybe we'll dial back a little bit. Lamar Jackson has moved up ahead of him. But I do think, you know, we say game manager like there's something wrong with it. Brock Purdy game managed his way Absolutely. to, a, you know, a, a well inside the top 10 finish. And, and I think the system, the supporting cast, if you have all that. And what's the difference then between Brock Purdy season and Patrick Mahomes season from a fantasy perspective? I think it is the supporting cast, right? Because I don't I don't know that, you know, Andy Reid's scheme is not – you know, beneficial. It's obviously he is well ensconced. He understands it. He knows all the nuance. I think a couple of the keys for NFL success and fantasy success, just for all the offensive pieces, but starting with the quarterback, 
is a mind meld between the play caller and the quarterback. And I think you have that. That's one of the reasons for Brock Purdy's success is he is executing that scheme the way Kyle Shanahan envisions it. I'd say the same for, you know, Patrick Mahomes working under Andy Reid. And Andy Reid does some super creative things and that helps him. But it turns out, it turns out the Chiefs at some point decided uh, that, you know, we're paying Patrick Mahomes a half a billion dollars, and then he's going to find a wide receiver one from whatever group of talent we assemble Oof. around him. We're not going to pay Tyreek Hill or a super high-end play. They may change that approach this offseason. We'll see about that. But but I think that's been a factor, right? Not having that super high-end wide receiver one. We've seen Rasheed Rice come on and be totally serviceable. But do you, do you view him as like a true alpha wide receiver, NFL wide receiver? I don't know that he's there yet. And maybe they're still in the market for that this offseason. We'll find out about that. But I think that's been a big issue for Patrick Mahomes. And maybe Travis Kelsey being something slightly less than Kelsey and Matt. I mean, I, you know, and how much of that was the the knee injury that he opened the season with? We don't know, right? He's older. There's It's a multivariable equation. And we want to pin it on one thing. Oh, he's old. He's slowing down. Well, there might have been more to it than that. So uh, I'm not ready to quit on him or Patrick Mahomes. We'll see what happens in the offseason. But I think those things kind of all combined uh, to limit Mahomes' value. I think the biggest one there is the Kelsey thing because we know in today's cap world, decisions are based on money. We've seen with Tyreek Hill how this team was basically able to rebuild itself, youngest defense in the league, which has now become kind of the identity of the Chiefs. No right. real and passing the run options. game too. And the run game. Isaiah Pacheco is absolutely balling out. But you look at this, now if Kelsey does say retire, because there's been whispers of that here and there, that opens up a lot of extra cap money, perhaps for one of those big ticket wide receivers, the T. Higgins kind of guys that are coming out. That'll be for another show another day. Now let's talk about Patrick Mahomes a little bit more because, you know, we don't talk about Patrick Mahomes nearly enough in fantasy no. football, right? We just don't have that conversation. Here he is leading the Chiefs into Vegas for another shot at the Lombardi Trophy. Betting against Patrick Mahomes hasn't exactly worked out for people. 10-1-1 one, one in his career as an underdog. And guess what? The 49ers, they are favorites here once again. I'm cheering for the 49ers because I can't get behind Patrick Mahomes. But looking at the 10-1-1 one, one number, that is telling me that I should probably pump the brakes a little bit here on the 49ers and maybe turn my attention to Patrick Mahomes, who has been basically playing mistake-free football here in the postseason. No turnovers here. And in fact, 103 pass attempts. He has not even thrown a single turnover-worthy pass. That's, that's a huge thing, especially when you compare that to Brock Purdy, who's thrown a pick, and he's had probably about four or five interceptions dropped along the way. Mahomes is not making mistakes. He's <clears> added 84 yards rushing. He's avoiding sacks. I think he's been sacked twice all, off, uh, all throughout the playoffs here. Meanwhile, Brock Purdy, on the other hand, not quite the same success here. So when we're looking at Patrick Mahomes, what is it that Patrick Mahomes is doing that maybe Brock Purdy isn't? And what's kind of the key to the game here between these two signal callers? Because we've kind of mentioned that they're both kind of in that game manager type role. Purdy's got the better weapons, Brock uh, with uh, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle versus Patrick Mahomes with um, Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Noah Gray. I mean, you put these these names together and it's pretty one-sided as far as weaponry is yep. concerned. Right. I think, you know, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is always going to have that edge, just, you know, the off-platform off throwing ability. And no one's going to accuse Brock Purdy of being that next-level NFL quarterback. Patrick Mahomes, we've seen it. He can recreate that probably at any given time and come up with the big plays. I'll tell you, I'll say this, though, for, for Brock Purdy is, you know, sticking with it, you know, coming out, you know, two games in a row, not having great starts. Last game, 
I thought, you know, show you had a little dog in him on those runs, right? I mean, put his head down and didn't slide, battled for some extra yards and and made some plays. So I don't want to give him, I don't want to give him the, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to denigrate his, you know, his abilities too much, but, but as far as game management goes, Patrick Mahomes is a guy that seems more likely to elevate above game management, game manager for at any given point in time to make an amazing play. That said, I mean, the, the Purdy metrics, I mean, what is he not doing? Well, is he throwing the deep ball? Well, yes. Is he, I mean, is he running? Did he run well last week? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he needs to put a, I'll say this this week. He needs to put an entire game together. He's got to have a full 60 minute game. He can't not show up for a half and expect to, you know, mount a huge comeback to the tail end. I mean, it's entirely possible, but that shouldn't be the expectation. And I'm sure that's not the, the desired outcome, but but Patrick Mahomes, to me, is a player that's always going to have that next level skill. I mean, he can, you know, there's a reason we've been drafting him as the top three fantasy asset because we've seen that and we've seen that high end ability. I think that's in him and it can rise up at any time. And it seems like it does it tends to do that uh, at at this time of year. Yeah, I was looking at some more numbers that don't really come in as favorable for the 49ers. Mahomes, he's 3-0 against the 49ers in his career. Not only that Super Bowl victory, but back in week number seven of the 2022 season, the Chiefs would go on to win that game 44-23. One of my favorite bets, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. not being afraid to put his head down and running. We watched his helmet basically explode against, I believe it was the Miami Dolphins there when no one wanted to tackle him until he got to about the five-yard line. But I'm expecting him to use his legs again this week. The 49ers, Nick Bose is basically the only guy who's getting any kind of pass rush for San Francisco. He's getting about a pressure generated about 21.7% of those last two contests. We know Donovan Smith, who apparently would rather be a Jet right now, according to what we've heard on Media Row, which is probably not the best time to mention that during you know the Super Bowl run here. We also know that Jawan Taylor is one of the most penalized tackles in the league. I don't know if the Chiefs are going to get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to those holding calls that everyone wants to conspire against here. But one of the props that I really like here is Mahomes' rushing prop set at 26 and a half yards. If you remember back in the last time the 49ers were in the Super Bowl there against this Chiefs team, I think that number was set at 29. Mahomes had 44 yards before he took those three knees that basically pushed him 15 yards back, which put him on the under on that prop, which absolutely crushed some betters right now. But you look at this here. You talk about Donovan Smith. You talk about Jawan Taylor. That offensive line has had uh, opportunities holding up at, the, at times. And a rushing prop there seems pretty reasonable at 26 and a half. What are your thoughts? I think it's totally reasonable. I think I would uh, I would be taking that. You know he's going to make a few plays. What is that? Two, three runs. Uh, I think that's a reason. I think that I think that's almost a lock to me. I think that's about as close to a guarantee as you could possibly get because we've seen he's only ran, I think, seven, eight times. He's already put up 84 rushing yards. You know, when the game matters the most, when you're managing this game, so to speak, there's times when the play's not there. He's going to take off and he's going to pick up those extra yards. Meanwhile, we mentioned Brock Purdy and his turnover-worthy plays. I fully expect him to hit the over when it comes to that half interception. He has thrown at least one pick in seven of the last 13 games, plus many more opportunities that were just dropped, so to speak. Kansas City's defense, it has frustrated opponents, including the NFL MVP, Lamar Jackson, throughout the season, holding them to about 197 yards passing along the way, and the second fewest yards per attempt at 5.89. Is Brock Purdy throwing a pick this week? Uh, I think it's it seems likely, right? Like, I... I'm hoping he doesn't. So I'm torn on this one, but the uh, the realist in me says that seems likely. 
Yeah, I would, I would agree with that here. And the one other prop that I kind of like for Brock Purdy is his rushing yards prop, which is set at about 12 and a half. Yep. The reason I like this, and this is going inside the game, this is understanding how defenses like to go. Kansas City likes to run those two high safeties. They love to play man across the board, which means the middle is going to be open. That means DBs are going to have their backs turned. That means Brock Purdy, who's already ran for 62 yards in this postseason, is going to have an opportunity to run more yardage here against the Chiefs team that is along the 10th most rushing yards to quarterbacks this season, allowing 20 rushing yards per game to the position. I think we're both on this one here right now as far as this yep. is, as far as For this sure. is they're, they're They're running that too high, like well over half the time. I think over 60% of the time. So yeah, I think the last I saw was 70, yeah. It's yeah, crazy. So, so yes, I, I would agree with that as well. And what that means is when you're running those two high safeties, that whole middle of the field is going to be open, open which means Purdy's going to be heavily targeting that area of the field. So that's sure that could lead to some turnover worthy passes. So, you know, that interception number kind of creeps up there a little bit because throwing over the middle could get you into trouble. But this season, Debo Samuel, 44 targets in this type of coverage. Christian McCaffrey, 43 targets. Brandon Ayuk, 32. George Kittle, just 29. Yeah. With that, I expect – hey, I love Debo Samuel hitting the over as far as his receptions prop is concerned at four and a half and his yardage prop is concerned at 53.5. What do you see when you look at this as far as how it's going to play out for these pass catchers here for the 49ers? Yeah, I think that's – I mean, that's exactly the the hierarchy I see it. I guess I'm having – I have McCaffrey ahead of Ayuk. Is that how you, you said it? Yeah. It's Debo, McCaffrey, Ayuk. Uh, and I like, uh, I think the McCaffrey prop on receiving is like 32 yards. I want to say I saw 33 and a half. Uh, I like that as well. Uh, we have Ayuk over 59 yards. I mean, I think that's okay. Uh, but I do like, I do like uh, Debo over 49 and a half a little better. So, but I do think that's, you know, the way the coverage is set up, I think that's the hierarchy of this one and Kittle down at the bottom. And I, he's the, he's the offensive skill player in this scheme in this game that I'm least interested in. And I'm mindful of the fact that even though he was like, what, 10th in the league among tight ends in receptions and 10th among tight ends and targets, he was third in yards after catch uh, when the season was over. So big plays are always a possibility with him. Uh, so, you know, like, like, so I wrote a column from my football call guys column this week. I do it in and out every week and, you know, for a single game slate, everybody's in, right. You're not, you mm -hmm. can't be out on anybody. Uh, you know, and, and you probably want to differentiate a little bit. So I do think, you know, there's a world where you want to flex away from from Kelsey and have Kittle in there. Your hope is one of those big plays. And, and it only takes one. Right. So uh, to put him over the uh, the expected points or to put it, push him past his props. Uh, th that said, not my desired play, but I like him in exactly the order you have. It. Yeah, you look at this right now. Brandon Ayuk is probably going to be matched up with uh, Legereus Sneed, which is a tough matchup for any yep. wide receiver. And Ayuk is another one of those players that just needs one catch. It could be a four-yard screen or whatever you want to call it, and he could take it to the house. That's how good he is. Or it could be a deep ball off somebody's face mask. He's capable of those it, as well. We've seen that go down. I mean, but against a two-eye safety, it's harder to hit those deep <clears> plays, which yep. kind of makes me fade Ayuk here just a little bit. His receiving prop is sitting at four and a half uh, receptions. I, I, I'm i kind of avoiding Brandon Ayuk. It's not saying that he can't do it, but I just, I don't that, That's like Debo that. territory, though. Like, that's been Debo's, that that coverage has been where Debo excels. And, that's exactly it. And that that's the key to me. I mean, Ayuk, any of these guys, like, look, it's Super Bowl. NFL's a ball game, people. Weird stuff happens. The ball is designed as an oblong spiral, so it bounces funny ways. That's the desired outcome. But- 
if we're sitting here analyzing in advance, you're trying to predict the future. You're trying to do it based on the things that make the most sense. What makes the most sense is <clears throat> are the outcomes we're talking about here. So again, outliers are great. Uh, you know, playing off scheduled players is great and you've got to get a little bit of luck with those, but you know, setting the expectations properly is this kind of coverage is Debo's bread and butter or has been this season. Yeah. You know, the 49ers, you know, Shanahan's going to move Samuel around there. It's going to be a tough for Trent McDuffie. Who's a, a pro bowl corner in his own right. But you're looking at a guy who's averaging 3.2 yards per route run versing this coverage, a 23.7% target share. We mentioned those 44 targets. He's going to be the straw that stirs this 49ers offense drink on top with Christian McCaffrey there as well. Now, when we look at this Chiefs team, I'm not looking into props that concern Marquez Valdez-Scanling, Justin Watson, or Sky Moore, who's just activated off the IR the other day. I'll leave that for you. But what I do find interesting is Rasheed Rice, 67 and a half receiving yards. Now he did go back to back games with less than 50. So I get that as far as people are concerned. Hey, he hasn't hit that number, but I'm looking at volume and I'm looking at two things here. I'm looking at one, no dude named Rice hasn't taught more than 70 yards in a Super Bowl like ever in the history of the this game. This is unfairly skewed, by the way. Oh, absolutely. But it fits my narrative, and that's what matters the most, right, Bob? As long as it fits my narrative. Matt, we Rice's- tell ourselves happy stories. That's the job. Absolutely. And in Rice's last 10 contests, he has 67 receptions, 783 yards. He's one of the top three wide receivers when it comes to yards after the catch this season. He's been targeted 86 times in those last 10 contests with nine targets in seven of the last 10 games. Mahomes, he's pretty much done with these other wide receivers. We've seen this. Rice's first read target share, 23.4% here in the postseason. I'm going to take the volume here as far as Rice is concerned. I'm definitely taking over the six and a half receptions, and I feel good about the 67 and a half receiving yards as well. I'm uh, I'm taking the over on all those. And just so everyone who's watching knows, I don't take unders. I don't like to be limited. I like the over, the infinite amount. Uh, and it makes me feel better to, to project to wish cast higher totals for everyone involved. But I think in Rice's case, it's a pretty strong argument. I know the footballguys.com projections are 60s. I want to say 6.7 catches and 72 yards. Uh, so I think that's right on right on track with 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 what Vegas sees. Well, and the one thing that we've seen all season long, in fantasy in particular, if you want, you can target these 49ers DBs. We've seen big-time production from wide receivers against San Francisco throughout the season. Now, they were pretty stingy against the run. We'll talk about that later, except the postseason hasn't really worked out well for the 49ers so far. But as far as trends are concerned, we've seen success be had Four wide receivers against this 49ers team. Look at Amon Ross St. Brown last week. I had a pretty good week himself as far as fantasy is concerned. Now, when you look here, Bob, we talk about Rasheed Rice. Is there anyone else here that you think, as far as Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Justin Watson's concerned? I know you wrote up a little bit on these two guys here with the football guys in a recent article. Is there something there that maybe someone could take a shot at? I mean, I think the logical choice is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. The, the regular season was not great. There were a lot of drops. Postseason's been good. He has five catches, 108 yards. He's the big play threat. I feel like the Chiefs probably are going to need a big play. Again, a lot of too high there for you know for for the for the 49ers as well. Uh, so I think I think he'll I think you know what's his average depth of target is pretty good right now as well. So I think what's his his yardage prop is like 19.2. I think that's like one catch for him. I'm gonna take that. And and you know, 
I think that that entire group of outlier wide receivers on their team, you know, the inactive list will call that out a little bit. I think they're all capable of making plays. One thing we've seen the 49ers be vulnerable to is runs outside the tackles. The Chiefs, they get down in scoring position. They do a lot of those jet sweeps and things that kind of get their wide receivers into the running game a little bit. I think that might be a sneaky way to get a touchdown, but predicting who that is is going to be, you know, a, a part of that function is going to be uh, the inactive list. Uh, but I do think all of them are, you know, the, all the active wide receivers will be fair game in that regard. But you're, again, dark tosses, taking your chances, kids. Well, one pass catcher that we know is going to be active, as far as tight ends are concerned, we know Travis Kelsey had a down year by his standards. I mean, and we use this very loosely because he still had over like 940 receiving yards, was still an all pro when it was all said and done. And yet it's a down year. People are like, oh man, there's this tight end, this tight end, and this tight end all above him. What I found interesting when I look at these props, six and a half receptions, 70 and a half receiving yards. I'm going to take the over because I don't like negativity, right? You mentioned taking the under. That's like being negative here. I don't want to be negative. I want. I think this game's going to be a lot higher scoring than people think it is, even though both these teams are like top 10 in their own right as far as gameplay is concerned, as far as slowing the game down. Now, when I look at Kelsey here in the regular season, he. I get why people may be hesitant here. He only had 71 yards in eight of 18 games this season, but he's reached that mark in all three playoff contests. Playoff Kelsey is a different dog altogether. We also saw what Sam Laporta did to this 49ers defense in that NFC Championship game, hauling in nine of 90 for 97 yards there. And Kelsey, in his own right, he's coming up with 11 catch, 116 yard performance in that AFC Championship game against one of the better tight end defending teams in the Baltimore Ravens. We also know that if this story plays out, his receptions, he's only caught seven or more targets there in seven of the previous 18 contests, but he's also gone over that number in two of the last three contests here in the playoffs. So, Bob, when we look at the six and a half yard, uh, six and a half receptions and seven and a half yards for prop bets, you going over on both of those? I'm going slightly over. Again, the, the football guys' uh, projections are right in the same range as they are with, uh, with Rice, as a matter of fact, 6.7, and I want to say 73 or, yeah, 73 yards. 73. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to slightly lean over and I think, you know, somebody's going to have a big game on the chief side of the the field, you know, betting on that to be Travis Kelsey seems like a, a pretty reasonable, uh, reasonable gamble. Yeah. I mean, we talk about this, I mean, for both these tight ends, it's not a great matchup. I think the 49ers were the fourth best when it came to defending the tight end position, Drew Greenlaw, Fred Warner. I mean, those guys are going to be making a difference there on the other side. I mean, George Kittle, he's going against the Kansas city chiefs who I think were ranked seventh as far as defending the tight ends concerned so it's, it's tough sledding for both those guys but when you look at kelsey and mahomes they've combined for 1385 yards 17 touchdowns 123 receptions over their 15 career playoff games going back to 2020 i mean that seems crazy we're talking 15 playoff games since 2020 that's how good this chiefs team has been kelsey he passed jerry rice as the all-time reception leader here in the playoffs with 156 grabs there earlier and he just needs three touchdowns to tie rice for the most touchdown receptions in nfl playoff history can he get there bob can he get three touchdowns this week it's entirely possible. I would, if I was betting on someone in this game to score three touchdowns, his name is Christian McCaffrey and not Travis Kelsey. Um, but like, if there's a chief that's going to do it, Kelsey would be be the target. Yeah, maybe the easiest money here to make, as far as prop bets can, are concerned, there involves Travis's brother Jason Kelsey, who has a prop right now whether or not he goes shirtless. 
if he's going shirtless in Kansas City, Baltimore, and Buffalo, you know dang well that shirt is coming off in Vegas. I don't even sure if he even packed a shirt to uh, go there, right? Beers will be chugged. Shirts will be torn off if they are on. Absolutely. He's going to enjoy those $20 beers, and he's going to get his money's worth. I'll tell you what right now. Now, the other fun prop as far as Travis Kelsey is concerned is the Kelsey Swift proposal. Now, my aunt, who knows not a whole lot about football, she's going on the limb here that says that Travis Kelsey is too romantic to propose to Taylor Swift after the game. I mean, I guess this really depends if the Chiefs win or the Chiefs lose, which way you're going to bet on this one. But you look at this, I mean, how do you stop the power of love? You're talking about Taylor Swift, who's going from a private jet from Japan all the way to Vegas, crossing 20 time zones just to be with the one that she loves right now, Bob. This has a love story song written for right now. I mean, we can expect a Taylor Swift single to come out if the Chiefs win this contest. I'm waiting for the breakup song because that seems to be the bread and butter there. But I'm hoping it's not uh, not anytime soon. Um, uh, I'm not going to bet this one. Uh, I've seen some like really like you know some some really great odds on the on the on the yes side of this, uh, and so I'd probably throw a dollar on that. If I was throwing a, a dollar at this bet, it would probably be on the uh, yes he proposes side. Yeah, I, I can't see this happening. I really don't, especially because I have the 49ers winning it. Proposing after a loss just doesn't seem to hit the same right. way. Now, we have to talk about his fellow tight end university member, George Kittle, who has a much lower prop here, three and a half receptions. Now, against that too high safety look, Kittle, he's only averaging 1.3 yards per route run. He's only being targeted 14% of the time. We talked about him being the lowest targeted player here for the 49ers, one of those four weapons there that Brock Purdy has at his disposal. He's also got a prop bet at 47 and a half receiving yards. I'm still kind of scorned. There's no scorn worse than a fantasy manager when it comes to prop betting here is concerned. I mean, you can talk about the scorn of a woman and all this other stuff, but we're talking about a guy who's coming off a two catch 27 yard performance in a great matchup against the lions last week. I can't get in behind maybe the three and a half receptions I can go for, but I can't get in behind this 47 and a half yard receiving total. Well, how are you feeling about the three and a half receptions and the 47 and a half receiving yards for Kittle? Um, uh, so I think, I think he, he needs about three catches to get that receiving total. And I think he can do that. I don't know that this is one I'm going to aggressively bet though. Yeah. It's definitely not my favorite five game parlay type bets. I'll put right. it that way. I'm, I'm avoiding this altogether because it is a tough match. We talked about the chiefs being one of the best teams of defending the tight ends. We talk about how they run this defense and how it's not really favorable to someone like George Kittle or yeah, well, Brandon Ayuk. This is a favorite. What did we see Andrews and likely combined for last? Exactly. I think 31 game. yards last week. Yeah. Three catches, 31. So we've talked quarterbacks. We've talked wide receivers and tight ends. Now it's time to turn our attention to running backs. And there is some opportunity here to make money here on your bets this week. First, let's talk about the 49ers and Christian McCaffrey. Simply put, he dominated the fantasy landscape this season. He basically had a touchdown in every single game. I think he had what? Like a 14, 15 game touchdown streak at one point. So if you're betting on the touchdown here, him scoring, you could probably put that in. You could probably even put two touchdowns down for Christian McCaffrey. I am. If you're willing to have a little bit of risk there. Now, when we look at this offensive player of the year honors, that came to nobody's surprise. And he carried all that momentum into the playoffs there in that NFC championship game against a very good Lions defense where he had 90 yards on 20 attempts, two touchdowns. Uh, he also had 42 additional yards on those four receptions. We talked about Purdy's target distribution when the teams <clears throat> give him the middle of the field. Purdy is a game manager. He's going to take what the teams give him there. So I'm willing to take the over when it comes to McCaffrey and the reception total. 
I'm also willing to take that touchdown prop and take the 35 and a half or 33 and a half. 33 and, 33 and a half. Taking them all. Yeah, that I'm, seems easy money I'm there taking as well, them all. right? Remember, against Detroit, he was, what, about three yards short of that third touchdown uh, when he fell on his head and, and uh, granted Elijah Mitchell a free pass, uh, which, you know, is maybe uh, something worth keeping in mind as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all in on – I'll take all the overs on all the McCaffreys. Yeah, and the one thing we know is Purdy has been getting McCaffrey involved this postseason. I mean, he did it all off uh, during the regular season, but in the postseason, 17 targets, 11 receptions, 73 yards in those two contests. So you're looking at at least 36 and a half yards receiving pretty easily there. Now, the other one that's interesting, I'm going to take the over again because, hey, we're all about positivity here, Bob. 88 and a half rushing yards prop. That's an interesting one because his average this season has been 91.2 on the ground, and it's as good as the Chiefs have been, they're allowing 113.2 yards per game, which is the 17th, and four and a half yards per attempt, which is 24th. Yeah, I, I like I like the yardage. I like the rushing yardage total as well. I, I'm thinking he's going to get closer to 100. That's where I'm projected at. So uh, I'm going to roll with that. I mean, I, I think, you know, like I like this to be a fairly high-scoring game. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. But but I think McCaffrey's going to be a big part of that scoring for the Chiefs. And, and the two touchdowns, seems reasonable three seems not unreasonable and if he's doing that the yardage total is going he's breaking one off like one of those one of those scores is going to come from from distance right and so that would be my that'd be my expectation yeah if you want to throw total yards in there you can hit the smash on that one too because you know he's going over that total easy enough i'm in now as much as we like christian mccaffrey in the prop like i'm i could see that 88 and a half i, I could see why that number set where it's set at but the one that I'm absolutely smashing right now actually is the running back on the other side of the field, 66 and a yeah. half rushing wow. yards for Isaiah Pacheco. We saw David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs gash this 49ers defense for what? 180 yards, three touchdowns in that NFC championship game. And David Montgomery did it. David Montgomery did it Isaiah Pacheco style, right? Ramming yep. it right up yep. the middle, you know, not the outside stuff, which, you know, Pacheco is capable of, but I mean, his bread and butter is that those tough runs. So, so, yeah, I'm with you on this one. Yeah, the Lions duel, I think they combined for 6.3 yards per carry. Then if you want to go back to another very similar to uh, David Montgomery and Isaiah Pacheco is Aaron Jones, who averaged six yards per carry on his way to 108 yards. Pacheco has got like 65 yards in four straight games. And the last, if the last couple of games are any indication, there's some big plays to be had for this Chiefs running game. San Francisco has yielded an explosive play at a rate of 8.9% so far this playoffs. That runs over 15 yards. That said, another uh, I see another prop there, over 15 and a half yards as the longest run. I'm taking the over on that. We, we've seen that this 49ers team has been giving up big runs. Why not keep that going on here? As far as explosive plays are concerned, at an alarming rate for this 49ers defense, I'm jumping in on that one as well. I will say for for me, like you know, and, I, and like I'm not like against that. I probably won't be making that particular bet, but but I will say the 49ers are at least you know on notice and have been talking a lot about their lackadaisical play, their tackling, the off the ball play that's kind of been a part of some of those big runs. So they certainly are aware that they need to work on that, and I, I suspect it's been a point of emphasis in practice this week. Well, one of the things that we mentioned there in practice, I'm glad you brought up practice because we've heard all the wet field information coming out of San Francisco's camp about the grass being wet, which could have them coming out a little slow to start this game, which could affect how we're talking about the run game. Those explosive plays that they've been giving up, if they've been practicing on a quote-unquote slow field, does that carry over? Do we see some big plays early on for Pacheco and this run game? 
I don't know. I mean, it's entirely possible. I, I do think the Chiefs are going to have some success running. The Niners on the whole have been tough all year, but as you said, they they can be had, and we've seen it in the postseason when it mattered most. I'm hoping they can dial in some of that, you know, some of that lax uh, work and some of the lack of effort that's been discussed. But, uh, but you know, yeah, I do think there's some room for some big plays there. And one guy who's picked up some big plays in Chiefs Super Bowl history is Jarek McKinnon. He has been also activated and designated to return for this Super Bowl. I don't see him having a whatever you want to call it on this game. I don't see him being a factor, so to speak. Now, saying that, I mean, if you're willing to take a shot of the dark, he's a good player to take a shot of the dark. But I also if think he's Isaiah active. Pacheco, if he's active, I think Isaiah Pacheco at two and a half receptions is a sneaky play in itself. That is as well. And and, and just on McKinnon, Andy Reid basically said on Tuesday that he doesn't expect him to play. He hadn't been practicing and he doesn't think he'll – He'll be available. I think Sky Moore has a better chance, and he's not a lock either um, to be active. So, <clears throat> but it is like you're, it is worth watching <clears throat> the the final uh, inactive announcement for playing some of these outlier plays because I mean somebody's liable to get a touchdown. That's not the guy you're hoping gets the touchdown. Yeah, it's gonna be like that. It's gonna be like Bell or something from Kansas City ending up stealing all the thunder that no one's predicting there. I do think it's of note. We haven't talked about it there as far as this Chiefs running game is concerned, but Joe Tooney doesn't look like he's going to be able to play with that pec injury, which is going to kind of be a factor there when you're looking at uh, guys like Hargrave and Armstead there in the middle of that 49ers defense. That could give Patrick Mahomes a little bit of issues there as far as pass rush up the middle is concerned. If Tooney obviously is not able to go, we're not expecting him to play. So that could also be a factor. Now, Bob, when we look at how this game is going to play out, what are some of your favorite prop bets that you have going into this contest? Or how do you see this game breaking down when it's all said and done? I like all the McCaffrey's, every McCaffrey prop bet. I like the MVS over 19 and a half receiving yards. I like the Debo over 49. Uh, so I I think this is going to be, I'm and I'm taking Kansas City, or, or I'm sorry, I'm taking San Francisco and the over on this. I think it's going to be 31-24 is my predicted score. And that's going to mean a big dose of Christian McCaffrey and a couple other plays by uh, by outliers there. So, and by outliers, no, they're not real outliers. Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, any of them can make the plays. But I think this is a going to be a Kelsey or a McCaffrey-driven show. So uh, I wouldn't be against taking an MVP. If the, if the game plays out like I think uh, Christian McCaffrey will be the MVP, I like the Christian McCaffrey anytime touchdowns, the over 33 and a half yards, all the McCaffrey, right? Total yards, rushing yards, all of it. So, uh, so I'm in on, on all that. And and I think that's going to be most. I think most of my money is going to be invested on the Kansas City on the San Francisco side of the ball, which is some of the like the the, the odd bets, the MVS, you know, the off the off schedule plays. I would call them uh, being of interest to me. Well, I'm going to give you my five game parlay right here as we speak, sitting right now. As I look at this, I'm going to go with Brock Purdy over half an interception. It's going to happen. It's not a matter if. It's about when. Purdy won't be able to get away with those mistakes that he's got away with in the last two games against this opportunistic Chiefs defense. I'm also taking Brock Purdy over the 12 and a half rushing yards. That Chiefs too high safety. That look, it leaves the middle wide open. There's going to be running lanes there. The secondaries and man coverage. If Purdy can avoid Chris Jones and George Kalafas there on the outside, there's yardage to be had. I'm also feeling the good old-fashioned Patrick Mahomes over 20 to 6 and a half rushing yards. Mahomes, he's not afraid to scramble. He's playing mistake-free football right now. He's going to be looking to pick up yards as needed, as is evident by his 84 rushing yards on seven scrambles this postseason. 
I'm also smashing the Debo Samuel over when it comes to four and a half receptions and 53 and a half yards. Pick, choose whichever one you want. I low-key like Samuel to be the MVP if you're looking at some deeper sleeper type betting options here. Samuel is the 49ers go-to guy when facing similar defenses. So he should, in my opinion, be the most productive 49er here on Sunday. And finally, to close out this five-game parlay, Isaiah Pacheco over 66 and a half rushing yards. Last eight games, Pacheco has been averaging 4.6 yards per carry. And this 49ers defense has been giving up yards in the run game. The Lions and the Packers have combined for 315 yards on 56 attempts over the last two weeks, Bob. That is easy money. Stack them however you will. You're going to win yourself some money this week on the Super Bowl. I have taken notes and those will be those will all be in play for me. I will make that parlay on behalf of you or not on behalf of you in honor of you. And I will be on behalf of me in honor of you. I think that's the direction I'll go. If you, if you hit on that, that means my aunt is going to hit on that because she jumped into my DMs looking for betting advice for the Super Bowl. And that's where I got the idea about not betting on Taylor Swift making the proposal because Travis Kelsey is much too <laughs> romantic for something like that. Bob, let everyone know where they can find you, what you're doing. You just you mentioned throughout the show there that Football Guys article that you've been written. What do you got going for us? Yeah, yeah go check footballguys.com out. Tons of content there, Super Bowl related, uh, passing matchups, rushing matchups, underdog props, all kinds of great articles there by the staff. Great staff and crew. Happy to be on board with them uh, given the circumstances. And catch me on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. This coming, we'll be out there. I'll be there Saturday from 3 to 5 and Sunday, 3 to 6, the pregame show. And there you have it. This has been the Vipers cast right here on the Vipers Network. Tune in each and every week as we bring you the latest. And we're going to do this throughout the offseason, so stay tuned. We've got plenty more fantasy football analysis and content coming your way. See you next time.